Welcome to episode 130 of the MTB podcast presented and hosted by Worldwide Cyclery. I am Jeff. I am Liam. And I am Adam. Adam Miller from Revel Bikes, founder of Revel Bikes, is here to join us on the podcast. And Jared is not here this episode. He's out. You know what Jared's doing? I think he's uh, at his cabin. Oh, wow. Probably sipping on a whiskey right now. Yeah. Probably not as good as my Johnny Walker Blue Label. Definitely not. Yeah. Poured over frozen strawberries, which do nothing. But they add ambiance to the drink. They look nice. I'm kind of jealous. Yeah. Thank you. That's what I was thinking too. Um, In this episode, we will discuss all sorts of things. We intend to pick Adam's brain about creating new bikes, iterating on fan favorite bikes, and all things bike design and production, including a bunch of questions directly from Revel Bikes fans, which is pretty cool. Uh, Past episodes with you were linked in the show notes, episode 92 and 108, your third time returning to the podcast. Thanks, Adam. Great to be back. People love hearing about it. Long time listener, first time caller, Adam Miller. <laughs> people people definitely enjoy hearing uh your thoughts on a lot of things most of the feedback i've gotten in the past was it's way cool to hear about bike design and development from somebody who owns a bike brand and also your take on asian manufacturing those are like the two compliments i get when people talk about you on the pod so cool i like talking you know, about just trying to things. boost you up yeah you know, pre-episode yeah. Get, get get you up a little. and i think That's you're awesome. very uh transparent about a lot of things yeah where some bike brands think they're nasa and like want to hold everything to their chest and it's like (laughs) y'all make the same things from the same five factories yeah you know well except you know way better of course well yeah but lots of well that was a bit of an exaggeration (laughs) don't take it that far (laughs) yeah that that was that was a little you know don't take that totally seriously little downplaying it but you know what i mean it's fun to talk about what we do and how we make bikes and i think yeah we're not sending people to the moon we're making bikes that are supposed to be really fun and made to have a good time and so it's fun to talk about it so i'm glad to be here agreed cool well should we jump into a quick little segment here i I added a new segment by the way but you could read off the the first segment zach's Uh, words of wisdom zach's words of wisdom uh uh he, he said this the other day everybody dies but not everybody lives Wow. That's pretty good. Profound, I know. Once again, profound and likely not original for Definitely Zach. But not original. <laughs> he lives by it and he says these things with so much conviction. You're like, wow, Zach, that's, that was good. Riveting. That was good. That was riveting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. You're going to go to your new segment? Yeah, I have a new segment. I thought uh, I was presented, I'm presented with some great testimonials every so often and I figured we should do a new segment called Fantastic Testimonials. And this is the first one that I would like to read. Uh, it was actually sent to Kettle, but that's, you know, same stuff. So it says, Dear Kettle People, I have purchased three products the past six months. Wayward Short Sleeve, Skidmark Shorts, and Fleece Line Escapade Coat. Outstanding value, performance, construction, fit, and wear. My new favorite items. Wearing the shit out of this coat in Texas. Trips to the north are cold. I love the lightweight vented back. That was a brilliant design. Then it goes to say, Jeff, comma, you annoy me on the podcast. Please write and I can coach you on how to be more effective and less of a douche waffle. Signed, T. That's that, phenomenal. That's fantastic testimonial. It's he really like, likes his gear. He likes He his really likes the kettle stuff. And he gave and, you constructive criticism. And he gave me some great constructive criticism. <laughs> Thank you, T. We appreciate it. And if anyone else wants to send in a <laughs> testimonial, please do. And maybe you'll be featured in our new segment called Fantastic Testimonials. We so are welcome did to you, all. Did you write him? No, did I didn't write him. <laughs> we don't know who T is. 
He sent an email. Oh, okay. Zach sent this over. Maybe we should reply and say, you know, I'm open to uh, some coaching lessons. It'd be funny if it was T and I was Troyden. (laughs) Sometimes he'll just say T. But he says Texas, so it's definitely not him. Yeah. It's a great testimonial. So I don't, I mean, you know, I'm, I, I do my best to try and not be a douche waffle on the podcast, but everyone just perceives you and feels you differently, you know? So what are you going to do? Just got to be yourself. You just got to, you just got to do it, do, do your thing. You yeah. Know? I personally love waffles. Yeah. <laughs> waffles are good. Waffles over pancakes for me. Really like waffles, but you know what? I do too. I like the what little, like better? it's like syrup holding cups. Yeah. Well, it it if, it's a crunch. Good, if it's a good waffle, a good waffle always wins, but yeah. it's, it's hard to find a really good waffle. That's true. That's a good point. You got to seek out the good ones. You still didn't answer the question. Waffles or pancakes? Well, it sounded like if a waffle is good, he likes it If it's a good waffle, 100% waffle. If not, Mm -hmm. pancakes are a safer bet. If you don't know what you're going to get, get a pancake. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, Yeah, like if you went to Denny's, you'd probably just play it safe and get get the pancakes. As long as there's bacon on them. If I'm going to Mm -hmm. Denny's, it's 2 a.m. and I don't care what comes out. Moves over my also facts. That's how they stay in business. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't been to Denny's in so long. Probably since wow. I was 23 and I went at 2 a.m. Yep. Yeah. yeah. That's a rough place to go at 2 a.m. I love the people there at 2 a.m. Yeah. Great people watching. <laughs> yeah. It's a good place. It's a good place. Um, the next segment we have here, which I changed the name of slightly. This is what happened when, this is what happened when Jared leaves. I just changed the name. Change stuff, segments yeah. And add segments and things. Sorry, Jared. Uh, <laughs> bikes, rides, and any random things we've been enjoying lately. Oh, nice. Adam, start with you. That probably fits us a little bit better, to yeah. be honest. Yeah. yeah. What do you got? I had a great bike ride today here in Southern California. There you go. It was 65 degrees and sunny out. Which and, Weaver uh, said it was a touch chilly. Yeah, everybody here said it was cold. I was sweating the second I walked out the door because I live in a place that has a lot of snow this time of year. So um, great ride today. Super fun. Good to ride bikes before we sit down and talk about bikes. True. Yeah. Yeah. Besides that, lots of skiing. I live near a ski resort, so yep. it's ski season right now for us. Winter time. Yep. Skiing is fresh. Pow, brah. <laughs> I can't wait for bikes. Have you ever skied <laughs> or snowboarded? <laughs> Once snowboarded. One time? Yeah. Yeah? You didn't really like it that much? I just went to Big Bear's bad snow. I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. I don't, I can't even, barely even say I snowboarded. I did yeah. snowboard and I think I like rolled a couple rollers and yeah, but I was young and. You also live where you yeah. can ride your bike all year round. So that, yeah. that makes and a lot of sense. And also when I was younger learning this stuff, surfing's really good this time of year. So I'd rather had yeah. surfed, which was basically free if you could get a surfboard. And True. snowboarding as a yep. teenager, like you, can, you can't afford that as, unless your family's into it. So, right. You know what a good tagline for surfing could be free with the occasional punch in the face? <laughs> <laughs> very true. You're really selling it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it sounds like so much fun. It's true. It's it like, is very know, true. It's a territorial sport. It's a little dangerous out there. A lot of grungy people do it. So it is free with the occasional punch in the face. Mm-hmm. It's on my bucket yeah. list to learn how to surf. Yeah. I can bike, it, man. ski, can't surf. Yeah. One day. <laughs> go take a surf lesson in Malibu. <laughs> Next time I come out yeah. to visit you guys, we're going to go surfing. <laughs> you yeah. should. It's probably pretty cheap this time of year. Might be fun. Let's go. Yeah. I might I'm not taking myself. a surf lesson. <laughs> you got to do that on your own. Damn. <laughs> uh, that would be I'll, cool. I'll take you out on the soft top. There you go. I'm not sure what that is, but I feel like it's probably like yeah. a beginner yeah, kind beginner of a situation, board, like yeah. training wheels on a bike. Basically. But mm-hmm. for surfing. Yeah. That's what I need. Yep. What uh, bikes, rides, and any random things have you been enjoying lately, Liam? Well, random things. Uh, I've been working on the van a lot, trying to get that going for summer. New van, van yep. life. Van Sick. life. I will soon be parking in the parking lot and 
living at Worldwide Cyclery. That's the way to do it. It's a good call. No, I'm just kidding. I wish, though. I'd <laughs> save a lot of money. Um, Fine with me. Security guard. I know. Look at that. <laughs> when, when Jeff actually <laughs> – You just found a Jeff, new living Jeff situation. Jeff actually was fine. Like, <laughs> when we had issues when we first moved here, he's like, if anyone wants to sleep in the parking lot in a van, go right ahead. Yeah. <laughs> It makes sense. We have people um, sleep in vans all the time in the Rebel parking lot. I love when it happens. Yeah, yeah. it's good security. Uh, so yeah, I've been doing a lot of that and uh, some gravel bike stuff and cross country bike stuff. And I just did the Rock Cobbler event over the Rock weekend. Rock Cobbler. Rock Cobbler. The infamous gravel ride in Bakersfield, California. Oh, yeah. Bakersfield. Cobbled some rocks. I don't know if people realize the <laughs> reputation of Bakersfield that aren't from California, but Dude, you know I, about Bakersfield? I was about to say, it? tell me about Bakersfield. Okay. I got I off the freeway and it's still light out because I got there Friday <laughs> night and every single person I saw was the exact people you think would live in. And this was like, uh, this isn't called Oilsdale Bakersfield, which is like the Bakersfield. A lot of Bakersfield is actually quite nice. Like, yeah, it's not that bad. It's just you know, suburban housing developments in the middle of nowhere. But um, Oildale is, you know, I think. The name you know, is great. <laughs> yeah. It's just all oil fields outside there. But yeah, there's there's some characters out there. But uh, the Rock Cobbler is a cool event. It goes all through like private farmlands. So you can't really ride this route normally. Um, and I probably was in like 10 feet of like 50 cows during seven hours of riding this. One point near the end, we just turned a corner and there's like a thousand sheep. Sheep? Like right, yeah, sheep right in front of us. Wow. Huh. I think they're sheep. I mean, I was riding by pretty fast, but I think I know what a sheep looks like. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was good, though. I, I, I puzzled over tire setup a lot because of we got anywhere from 2 to 14 inches of rain in Southern California the week leading up to this. Yeah, I heard it flooded everywhere. Yeah, the media went crazy, said it flooded everywhere. Bakersfield didn't get as bad. It wasn't too bad, but the ground was really soft. I went probably too narrow and slick of a tire, but I had a good time and it was fun. You know, type two fun. And you put a suspension fork on your bike. I put a suspension fork on my Rebel Rover bike. Yeah, the Rebel Rover. Is that a proof spec? Uh, absolutely not. Okay, <laughs> I, I didn't. But I, I think didn't it's really, really cool. I didn't really think it was. Why, yeah. Why wouldn't? Why wouldn't it? Be technically, it's not bikes? a proof spec. The reason is the fork is longer. So because the fork is longer, it puts a little more stress Love on the overall on the bike. And so yeah. we just mm. the stock fork is a pretty standard three hundred ninety millimeter axle to crown fork. So we do all the testing around that. So technically, we say it's not approved. But I also it, saw it does, that bike and I thought it was pretty cool. It does so. change the geo raises the BB. It's not perfectly ideal but true i'm not really gonna take it off i thought it was really fun it's so. cool. it looks yeah. like a franken bike but it does the but concept of a gravel bike with suspension just feels your flat bar gravel know, bike is I also franken a franken bike in the other direction yeah it is so yeah. yeah there's some strong opinions on gravel bikes here at this at this table right yeah. now i think <laughs> some differences in i can't up. ride them i tried i gave up threw in the towel now it's liam not, has that bike it's not really like strong opinions it's just different flavors yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I still think his gravel bikes are really cool. I just can't justify owning both. It's like one drop flat bar, bar or gravel flat bike, bike. Yeah. one yeah. drop bar. That's a lot of gravel it's bikes. It's a lot of well, I'd probably go flat bar, like hardtail, rigid, hardtail type of thing. Yeah. But you know, anyways, we're talking way too much about drop bars. <laughs> this is a mountain bike podcast. That is true. <laughs> Facts. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> I have not been riding too many bikes lately. Um Mostly been running a bit. I'm doing a big hike. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I'll tell the story. 
Stop laughing at me. <laughs> Mostly been uh, running quite a bit because uh, I'm, I'm going to do a big sort of mountaineering trip in Ecuador later this month that I'm excited about, uh, hiking Mount Cotopaxi. Been riding the Ranger, the Reva Ranger bit around just local stuff. And yes, recently, uh, just last week, I was going to go on a huge mountain bike ride uh, this weekend on the new Rascal, which we'll get to later. Um, but on Friday, I went for a trail run. There was a huge portion of the trail that was all flooded out alongside this park. And there's a wooden, well, it looks like a wooden fence, but it's made out of concrete. And I've done this several times before. I just walk sure. on the top of the fence to clear the, <laughs> to clear the puddle. <laughs> my shoes were all muddy and slippery and I slipped off the fence and I busted my ass bad. Uh, <laughs> I, I got this massive, probably 12 inch long giant scrape on the inner side of my right thigh. Um, and also ripped a huge chunk of skin out of my thumb on my left hand. Um, if you're watching this on YouTube, we'll, we'll put the photos up there. Sorry, Louie, you have to see those. Um, so yeah, I just now, and it just hurts super bad. It was way worse the day after and couldn't really pedal or walk or do anything. So I just did nothing all weekend. Um, you know? It's it's one of those things. It's running, like running. It's a rough sport. You shouldn't you shouldn't you shouldn't have gone running it, in the first place. Reminds me, yeah. Right. Reminds Mistake me of that, number one. That old jackass song. If you're going to be dumb, you got to be tough. It's kind of what that reminded <laughs> yeah. me of. But for the record, that was half a mile into it, and then I proceeded to finish the three and a half miles. Oh, nice. It's just like I'm just going to keep running. Yeah, what would nice. Goggins do? Yeah, <laughs> it was bleeding more, all over. It's more the just ground. like a combination yeah. of embarrassment. Uh, feeling ashamed, feeling pissed off, feeling like, you know what, no matter what, I just need this exercise bad, so I'm just going to finish this run whether I'm bleeding or not. Who's going to carry <laughs> the logs? Who's going who's gonna to carry the boats? <laughs> who's going to carry the boats? <laughs> who's going to carry these boats? <laughs> so I just kept running. So, yeah, that's that's uh, sums up my last handful of days here. So, you know, I'll get back on the bike soon enough here. I was pedaling around a little bit and getting some more movement in this leg. So yeah, you'll be good to go soon. I'll get there. You just yeah. got to give up running for good. Yeah, biking. No, I, I like running, man. Oof. I'm I'm more interested in being a multifaceted athlete. Like I want to be able to swim well, hike, run, mountain bike, like do everything, climb rocks, all that sort of stuff. Lift weights. I want to be like very well rounded. Do it all. Yeah, impressive. Not many mountain bikers yeah. like to run. I feel like running and biking are kind of yeah, they're pretty at different. odds sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Liam hates running, but you did. You were forced to do it last winter because it was raining so much. I ran a bit, and then I do run like when we went to. Uh, Taiwan together. Yep. I ramp I ramp up my running a little bit just so I can go on like a week long trip where there's no bikes and I can keep my fitness. And there's yeah, also like no the gyms there, so it's like you know I think most mornings I went out and jogged around Taipei. Yep. Yeah. Um, great way I, to see a new city too. Yeah, and I yeah, do the same is. thing. And like if I go to Mexico or somewhere, the, it's not a non bike trip planned. Yeah. I'll ramp up the running yeah, a little bit. You literally, just bring a pair of shoes with yeah. you and you can get yeah. some exercise. Um, and I do think it's a good cross training activity. I think it's good to have, and I also think it's good. Uh, to know you can run from something if you need to. <laughs> are you are you planning on <laughs> needing true. to be able to run from things? I don't know if it's the cops or if it's you know. <laughs> I thought you were going to say uh, zombies. A, a zombie apocalypse. Yeah, that could e- either one of the two, right? Like, if Always I got to run, I just want to be able to book five miles and then figure out what I'm doing. I don't blame you. Yeah, I grew important. up running and doing triathlons and all those things, and now I only run when I'm on a trip internationally without a bike. Yeah, it's the only time. See, I never ran a mile until like. A year and a half ago in my life. Wow. Yeah. Look at mm. that. Not enough of a douche waffle. <laughs> <laughs> I've never been graced with that name. Uh, I have. 
Um, <laughs> it's, it's Jeff's new favorite. <laughs> <laughs> so the real reason we've got Adam here, it's an important thing. You guys are coming out with a version two of the Rascal, which is the bike that you launched with originally, original launch of Revel Bikes, which was in 2019? Correct. 2018? Mm, 2019. Yep. Just 19. almost five years ago, 2019. Almost five years ago. Yep, Mark. So you guys launched with the Rascal and the Rail. And the Rascal, well, in my opinion, put you guys on the map in a big way because it was a one quiver, 130 mil travel, 29er, fantastic bike, worked amazing, obviously really made a big splash. Yep. Other bike, the rail, to longer travel, 27.5 bike, awesome bike. But in my opinion, what put you guys on the map in a big way, and I know a lot of people rode them, including myself, loved them, um, the Rascals. So you guys are refining this thing, um, which is interesting. So we've got some key differences here. But it's a big deal changing a bike that's yeah. a fan favorite, and it's a tough that's a that's a heavy thing to carry because you don't want to change it too much because people love it the way it is. How Hopefully many how many rascals right. have you had? Three or two? Mm, I think you had a black one and a three. Sedona one. Yeah. Did you ever have a different color than black? Can't remember. I had that black one for a long time. Rode that yeah. one in New Zealand. Nice. I just I just think that bike is uh, was just so versatile. Because I guess normally it's spec with a 140 fork, but I put a 150 on mine. It's like a 150 fork, 130 in the back, and a bike you can do, do everything. You can do everything. Yeah. 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 It's, the, it's like if you're going to have one mountain bike, that's the bike. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I loved it. So Me you too. go to the drawing board and you're like, you got to refine this thing. You probably have some thoughts. Your whole crew has some thoughts. You got some feedback over the years. Like, how does this all work? Yeah. No, I'm super excited. It's fun to finally talk about this new bike because we've been working on it for many, many years. And now Since we get... the first one was launched? <laughs> just about. <laughs> a little, little bit afterwards, but, but just about. So uh, it, it's funny, for the last two years, probably the number one question we get as a company and I get personally is, when are you coming out with the new Rascal? People have been, have been excited for this bike for yeah. a while. We've had a lot of people asking about it. And we have to... Like we talked about earlier, we're not quite NASA. We don't keep things that secret. But this one, we were like, no, we got to keep secret until it's actually ready. Because mm-hmm. like we want we want to make this kind of a big deal. It's a it's a it's like you said, the bike that put us on the map, and now we're it's it's a whole it's a whole redo. It's like a it's like a ground up new bike, which is super exciting. Um, so we are launching that, and it's ready to go. And we have bikes in the building at some retailers worldwide, and. Uh, it's what a strategy has that ever happened in the bike industry that you're aware of um, a bike launch and announcement and it's available to buy. I, 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 I imagine that over <laughs> the last that. few years that hasn't, it hasn't happened too much. It's not an easy thing to execute. So it know, really isn't. Job. And I can geek out on all the, you know, nerdy business stuff that we had to do to actually make that happen. But it was a really impressive lift by our whole team to mm-hmm. launch this bike with bikes in stock and in stock in other places for people to see and test ride and buy. And, I'm uh, really proud of our whole team at Rebel Bikes for making it happen. Yeah, we nice. made a really cool bike, but then we also made it happen to make it real, so people can actually go buy it. So yeah, I'm pretty excited cool. about that. Yeah, that's sweet. Yeah. Well, let's go over some changes. All right. Um, now offered in XXL. We decided that we boys. should make a very large bike for very tall people. So we've never had a double XL before, um, but we have a lot of tall people riding our bikes, and we figured let's make a bike in that size. So. We say it fits people up to about six foot eight, but you know, everybody has different arm length and leg length and all that stuff. Yeah. But we now have a whole one size bigger. Yeah. That's the, cool. the reach on the XXL is 528 millimeters. Oh, 
Big dog. It's big. It's a big dog. When we've got the first prototype in our building, we do have, I think, you, three people in our say, building. I was going to say, you have one. I know one for a fact in your warehouse that's about 6'6", six, six, maybe? Yep. Yep, we have three very tall people in the building, and so it's kind of an ongoing joke of, well, we need to make bikes for them because they work here at Revel. So that was kind of the, you know, we didn't do like a big fancy market analysis and figure out how many bikes we thought we could sell in different sizes. We just said, well, there's some guys that work here that want to ride a big bike. And so, you know, let's let's make one. Um, but when that first prototype showed up, it's the front triangle is like, it's gigantic. Yeah. Like all of us in the building were looking <laughs> at it like, no way, no way this is the, like real. Like we measured everything. I measured the head team to make sure it was the right numbers. It, it was. Yeah. It's just a really big bike. It yeah. won't fit me, but, you know, <laughs> we have it for other people. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, I think there would be, if if more bikes just historically were always offered in double XL, I think there'd just be a lot more taller riders that like would totally. gravitate towards the sport, find a bike that fits them and ride it and enjoy the sport. But it kind of just been like, wow, there's just... Kind of at a well, loss. there's a, there's a lack of options out there. So if you're over yeah, really six is. foot four, most it's you know I go to so many events and demo events where people ride bikes and you see people riding like tall people riding bikes and most of them don't fit very well. So it's uh, it's kind of doing a disservice to people at that height. Yeah. So we tried to make one with and it has a little different seat angle and a couple different measurements on there to make it. You know, it's not just a bigger bike. It, we tried to get the right front center positioning and body weight over the front of the bike the right way. So ideally it should work um, a whole lot better for taller riders yeah. and hopefully, cool. hopefully people like it. Perfect segue because the next change that I was going to mention here is the effective and actual seat tube angle is steeper across all the, like from V1 to V2. Yes. And then there's also size specific seat tube angles, i.e. the XL and the double XL. Yes. So I listen think, to what the internet is trolling about regarding seat tube angles. <laughs> I, I've seen a few comments on the internet <laughs> about, about, about seat tube angles. angles. I've, I've heard that feedback once or twice. Um, one of the, the so the the first rascal was I mean that bike totally put us on the map. We we launched with the rascal and the rail, and the rascal just took off. I mean you guys have owned several. You've sold mm -hmm. a whole lot of them. Uh, that bike we it won a bunch of awards. We got like articles in all these different countries and one one like outside magazine best bike of the year. That one was you know really put us yeah. on the map. Things took off a lot after that. Um, I mean we were growing faster than I ever expected because that bike was so it was good so good it was really good it was really good and I <laughs> yeah. was like you know I didn't know what to expect when I launched a bike company but I, you know I thought the bikes were good but like never in my wildest dreams would I expect people to to like the bikes as much as they yeah. did so um but early on when we were riding that rascal that was you know one thing that 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 we thought we wanted the seat tube angle to be a little bit steeper. And then, of course, we heard lots of wonderful feedback, too, um, yeah. about that same thing. So we, uh, when we did the redesign for the new Rascal, that was like a no-brainer. Of course, we're making the seat tube steeper. And then lots of other little things that happened because of that. But we knew we wanted the rider position to be a little bit further forward on the bike, a little bit more over the front wheel. We made the bike a little bit longer uh, to accommodate for that steeper seat angle. So... It, the effective seat angle is 76 degrees on most sizes. It goes up to 70, 76 and a half, and then 77 on the XL and double XL. And I feel like that's a really, really good number. Like we like to say our bikes have, you know, modern geo, but not too modern. A lot of bikes, have, yeah. I think, have a little too steep a seat angle. Modern geo, but not trying too hard. Yeah, like practically <laughs> modern. Yeah. Well, and if you're yeah, actually seated pedaling, like for a long distance, like a, a true seated ride, cross-country ride, I should say, or trail ride, Having like that 78, 79 degree seat tube angle actually isn't like comfortable or good for your, your totally leg dynamic. So 
it feels kind of weird on your knees sometimes because yeah, you're exactly. so over the front of the bike you're almost pushing backwards mm -hmm. on the pedals and for me i don't like the crazy steep seat yeah. angles but on the rascal v1 the seat angle was a little slacker than i would have liked so on the yeah. rascal v2 i think we i think we nailed it a big a big difference is not just that effective seat angle number of 76 degrees but it's the actual seat angle so i can kind of geek out on the geometry for a second but the on the first bike the actual seat angle was much more slack almost five degrees slacker the reason for that is fitting all the suspension pivot points and bearings and whatnot it makes it kind of hard to get a nice long seat tube so you can put a long dropper post in the bike so we kind of worked some angles and magic there to make that a actual seat angle much steeper and what that does is as your seat comes further out of the bike so taller riders with a taller seat height your effective seat angle really becomes a lot further back so the the, the and every bike brand measures seat angles a little bit differently so it makes it very difficult to compare apples to apples based on do brands measure on a horizontal line from the top of the head tube or do they measure at some point 100 millimeters above that because that's where your seat might be so every brand's a little bit different but as you get the actual seat angle and the effective seat angle more close together, your real life seat position, kind of where your butt is on the bike, stays more consistent even at different seat heights. So that was a big thing we did. So especially if you're a taller rider, if you have a little taller seat height, this bike is going to feel a whole lot, I'd say, better. Your body's going to be in a lot better position uh, balanced on the bike because of that actual versus effective seat angle. Hmm. That's cool. Sounds like you thought this through quite a bit. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> we had, you know, it's funny in our, in our office, we have, uh, we're, we're based in a little mountain town called, called Carbondale. Um, everybody in our office is a very passionate bike person. Yeah. And we have all, we always have meetings about, you know, this or that or whatever, by far the most passionate, intense argumentative meetings at our office are about bike geometry yeah. like we'll like <laughs> argue about a half a degree on a seat angle or head angle like for hours and hours yeah. sometimes it gets a little heated yeah <laughs> but hopefully it means we make a good to your bike. point on how every brand measures differently i've seen a few brands actually put different saddle heights on the geo chart with a an effective seat mm -hmm. tube angle based yep. on that saddle height i thought that was a cool idea i think it's an awesome think, trend that that's i think happening. actually yeah. uno did that on their original bikes when they only offered one size Mm. nice yeah. yeah i think more more brands are catching on or i mean catching on people have known this for a while but i think more brands are starting to talk about it more and show actual geometry numbers yeah. because you can look at a geo chart and one brand says 76 degree angle and another says 76 but it's measured you know a few inches yeah. different it, you're, you're talking about a couple degrees difference mm -hmm. and at the end of the day so i think it's i think it's great that companies are doing that yep yeah and we were kind of talking pre-recording here about geo charts getting taken a little too seriously in the industry <laughs> amongst the average rider um yeah which is good and bad it's it's cool on one hand because the sport is filled with enthusiasts who like to geek out on things and look at every little detail and that's awesome but it is also important to remember uh a you're not a paid professional athlete um and <laughs> b it there's just a lot of sort of intangible things you don't really know like you gotta ride the thing you gotta see how it sits and sag how it pedals like how it actually yeah. feels when you're on the thing and then play with different stem and handlebar length and width so i don't know it's a lot of variables and the professional athletes are probably less particular about overall geo and they yeah. just like are like i want this wheelbase this short you know or whatever they're just really yeah. fast yeah but to that point i think a lot of people like to fixate on like one or two points on a geo chart, whatever they think, right? Like a lot of it's just like head tubing on reach. 
Yeah, or whatever's on trend, or whatever's on trend. Right, like too too many more. This and that. Yeah, stay length, and it's all about reach, and it's all about how slow. People fixate on that without looking at like the bike's a dynamic moving machine. Yeah, holistic. All these things. Yeah, it's a whole puzzle that comes together, and it's like one angle might change, you know, your head tube angle, but it's gonna make throw everything else off. So totally agree. It's it's kind of wild, you know, and and. I mean, even in our office, you know, we all naturally talk about, we talk about head angle and we talk about seat angle as these two like magic numbers on the bike, but really your head angle is not what matters at all. It's your, it's your trail number. So yep. it's a combination of your fork length and your fork offset and your wheel size and your tire size and realistically your tire pressure, because you can measure the bike leaning against the wall with 30 PSI in it. But if you go ride the bike and you all of a sudden have a full, you know, full rider weight on it, your tires compress a little bit and that affects your actual trail number. And then your suspension fork if that's, if you have it set up perfectly, that's one thing. If you have, you know, say you didn't check your air pressure for a few months and you have a little bit less pressure in there, that affects your trail number and how the front end of your bike handles. So there's a lot of these, all sorts of little tiny nuances that go into it. And for me, that's like a really fun part of like my job and what I get to do every day Mm -hmm. is like figuring out those little things. And like, well, if we have a bottom bracket drop of 11 millimeters and a chain stay length of 436, those two numbers are very interrelated. You can kind of achieve what you want by adjusting either one of those numbers. But a lot of people look at just one number and not, and not yep. kind of the combination of it all. So I think it's kind of fun to figure out. Yeah. Those, those are, things. that is the literally the exact level of thoughtfulness and attention to detail that has allowed you guys to make world-class <laughs> bikes rather than just average bikes. That's good to hear. In my opinion. So all those arguments we get in at our office about geometry are, are, you know, they, they pay off at the end yeah, of the day. They pay off at the end of the day. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Speaking of attention to detail, before we talked about the rest of the specs here, refill. Refill. Intermission. Nice. And now, a word from our sponsors. Are you sick and fed up with super artificial gross tasting goos and gummies and gross things that you eat while you're out on your ride? Introducing all these organic goos. We have a whole suite of really, really awesome organic delicious natural supplements from our awesome flavors like (laughs) (laughs) gravy goo chicken flavor beef flavor and for all you vegans out there mushroom flavor uh well if you are not interested in vegan mushroom goos i would genuinely appreciate if you could check out trail one components trail one is a brand we co-founded and one i personally worked on crafting the founding team which is allowing myself and our crew here to design the exact mountain bike components we have always wanted and doing so with a ridiculously overqualified engineer the idea was to create premium level mountain bike components that truly support the sport of mountain biking by giving back to trail networks with every purchase. We have a growing line of products which can be seen on the Worldwide Cyclery website as well as at trail1.bike. Speaking of which, if you use the code MTBPODCAST25 on the Trail1 website, you can snag 25% off your first order. That's trail1.bike and the code is MTBPODCAST25. And one more quick thing before I go, we are currently hiring for several positions at our expanding shop and warehouse located just north of Reno, Nevada. If you or anyone you know might be interested, please let them know and please feel free to reach out. We would love to have new cool people join our team. Thank you and back to the show. And now back to the show. And we are back from our intermission because everyone needs an intermission after 30 minutes. It's a long time. Everyone. Everyone needs an intermission. I do it at work every day, every 30 minutes. Yeah, every 30 minutes. (laughs) Take a break. (laughs) Go get more coffee. 
Time to talk about head tubes. And angles of them. 0.5 degrees slacker. 0.5 degrees slacker. Yep. Is the bike is the bike still spec'd with a 140 fork? It is. It's still okay. 130 rear, 140 front. Yeah. Uh, but we made the head tube angle a little bit slacker. Mm-hmm. Not too much slacker. But I think it's I think it's spot on. 65 yeah. and a half degrees. Feels great. Good for everything. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. And then you, it does say you can, like you guys approve it to bump up to 150 if you want. Correct. Which would make it 0. 0.4, 0. 0.5, slacker than that. Yeah. So. Just under 64-ish or so yeah. if you do a 150 fork, which is actually a pretty common thing to do on the Rascal. A lot of yeah. people on, and yep. at Revel run a 150 fork on, on their bike. I prefer the 140, but you can do a 150 if you want. To each yep. round. Yep. To each their own. Yep. I just thought, what, so when I had a Rascal uh, for the longest time and I didn't have an Enduro bike, I was like, that kind of is my enduro bike. So I built it kind of beefy, good size tires, 154. Yeah. It was like, well, now this kind of is my trail bike and my enduro bike. And, and that's what's cool about yeah. the Rascals. Like, it, it, you know, if you're going to choose one bike, yeah. the Rascal's phenomenal. And then 100%. if you want to make it a little bit more enduro bike park kind of kind of esque, you can do that 154 and mm-hmm. it makes it awesome. Yep. And then I think you mentioned this briefly earlier, but reach is seven millimeters longer across all sizes. Yep. Yeah. About seven millimeters longer, just a little bit longer. Again, we wanted to do, you know, modern geometry, but not, not just what you read in comment sections and not just longer and lower and slacker and all those good things. It was really well, well thought out, I think. So seven millimeters longer, especially with that steeper seat angle, it really keeps your body position quite similar, which is something that people really liked about the original Rascal. So your body position is very similar, just a little further over the front of the bike, um, which I think helps make it feel a little faster and more aggressive and more, more well balanced. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it is. It is funny because you look at all these different bikes and even all the bikes just in your guys's own lineup, there's like subtle differences between every little bit of travel range you go through and can't make one too much like the other in either direction because they all have to have their like own unique feel and identity a little bit it's kind of amazing what a couple millimeters and a half a degree does to a bike even on paper you look at it you do all the numbers and from you know engineering drawings and especially on the kinematic side of things these little tiny you know and you can you can try to guess what that will mean on paper and then you go ride it and these tiny differences sometimes really show themselves a lot so yeah this is a, a relatively small change on reach on the new rascal but it feels great. People seem to really like mm-hmm. it. Super happy with it. Nice. Yeah. And then, of course, UDH rear triangle. I mean, have to. Yeah. At this point. Yeah. UDH for sure. Just just makes sense. You know what was a good question that someone asked me the other day is, why did the original Rascal not have UDH? Because UDH, kind of, I mean. It was, it was too young. It was too young, I guess. Yeah. But I mean, it, UDH existed, but not no. really that many people. We were just it. before it. So it we were a little yeah. bit yeah. too young. Um we 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 just missed the window on it really. Yeah. So well, I mean, it took a while for it to get for it to get adopted. First Ranger missed the window. Yes, it did. It, but we were really close. On the really first close. Ranger. Yeah, yeah, yeah like true. you probably knew about it being a bike company and friends with SRAM, but like it wasn't allowed to be spec'd yet. Yep. Yeah. It wasn't and then Rail29 got it. Correct. On V1. And the Rover, our gravel bike, was actually the I believe is the first ever gravel bike with a udh on there or if it wasn't quite the first it was very close to it but mm-hmm. we sort yeah. of learned from that one and maybe and, first production yeah because i'm sure like a lot some, of them have you know came out around the same time yeah, some UDHs, handmade ones but, might have done it or something yep, yeah yeah for sure no udh is phenomenal shram did a great job with that and yep. it's on um just about all of our bikes right now yeah it's yeah. awesome yeah it makes yeah. a big difference that's good yeah i think it's kind of a nice thing to have for sure yeah. Very convenient. Making things more standardized across all bikes, I it, think, is 
awesome for little things like that that just make sense if you need to go into a bike shop to get a new derailleur yeah. hanger yeah you can get one anywhere yeah even when i do like backcountry rides i just throw one in my pack it's usually not for me it's always for someone else mm -hmm. so i'll have to go on more bike rides with you that and a spare axis battery that i think i've only used once myself and probably yeah, 10 times for, for somebody yeah. else yep. yeah yeah <laughs> i have definitely ridden with uh with a dead axis battery more times than i should admit it's <laughs> <laughs> uh, classic uh, next change is the fully revised pivot hardware and bearing design. Yeah, we did a, several other kind of maybe small, maybe big changes on the rascal, depending on how you look at it. But the, the bearings and bolts and hardware is a, is a massive, massive improvement. So when you just look at the bike, you're not going to be able to notice a whole lot different from that standpoint. But we actually went from a total of 18 bearings in the frame to 10 bearings. So there are a whole lot bigger bearings, much, much beefier, stronger, longer lasting. We did like a crazy amount of bearing testing and the Bolu bearings we use are awesome and incredible. And they last a really long time, longer than, than in anything else. Um, and all the axles are bigger as well. Uh, they also use, we designed a one tool system. So if you do have to tighten a bolt on the side of the trail, which hopefully you never do, but just in case you only need uh, one tool to do that. And then we use titanium for all the shock mounting hardware. Red. It's lighter. It's a whole lot stronger. You can get the right torque with a lighter bolt, but then the front shock mount is like, we did this really cool, like captured nut system. So you only need yeah, one, looks red. one bolt to tighten it on. And I think it looks pretty cool. So super happy with, yeah, with nice. how all that turned out. Nice touch. Yeah. And it made the whole frame 150 grams lighter. A lot of that was, <laughs> so the frame is 150 that gets grams me lighter. Going. It's kind of a lot, isn't it? It's, I, I, it's Every gram exciting. counts. So it's like 150 reasons for Jeff to buy one. Every That's gram right. counts. <laughs> 150 reasons for Jeff. Uh, so it's funny because the bolts and the hardware is actually a lot bigger. There's a few less bearings, but they're larger bearings. So a lot of the weight savings um, and a really important part of that is the bike's a whole lot stiffer too. We did a whole new carbon layup. So um, it's actually, a it's a really massively noticeable difference. You can feel it right out of the gate riding the bike. So nice. lighter and stiffer and stronger and better. Yeah. Lighter, stiffer, stronger, Jeff. 150 grams lighter. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> 150 grams, that's a lot. Yeah. That's a, that's a real weight savings. And it's about 20% stiffer, which... We have like really techie lab tests. They're, it's called a, a Zeidler test for frame stiffness. So you measure the, the head tube stiffness, the bottom bracket stiffness, and the rear triangle stiffness. And it's a good way to get quantifiable, tangible numbers on frame stiffness. But then what we do is we go, we do different layup, like different iterations of the bikes, and we do blind testing with people. And we have actually a really like kind of in-depth ride testing forums. It's everyone says, oh yeah, I want to go test the new bike. People go out and try it out. But what we do is everyone has to fill out their ride feedback before a ride and after the ride. And we do this thing where you kind of take uh, people's expected ride quality differences and then their actual ride feedback and everything's rated on a scale of one to 10. So it's kind of a way to get quantifiable feedback on qualitative things mm -hmm. if that sort of makes sense so yep. do people think it's going to be stiffer and then is it actually a stiffer ride so um, much more scientific than i would have anticipated surprisingly scientific we're Very kind nice. of a bunch of bunch of bike geeks but we get pretty, pretty sciencey about a bunch stuff of mountain sometimes. hippies yeah <laughs> bunch of mountain hippies <laughs> that know how to make real good bike <laughs> we like going to the rodeo and making bikes <laughs> Uh, and more tire clearance. More tire clearance, of that. course. That was definitely something we wanted to uh, improve on that bike. And it's got tons of room for two, six tires. 
Two six tires. I don't really remember having a tire clearance issue other than occasionally it would buzz the inside of the chainstay. I was going to say, like, rail 2.9, will buzz. You could probably squeeze a 2.5, but I'll definitely buzz on a rail 2.9. Yeah. So 2.6 clearance is good for, like, the flex of a smaller tire, too. Yeah. yeah. And one when it's covered in mud. Uh, yeah, more mud. More mud have, clearance. We don't have that, but, yeah, it's good for mud. Yeah, <laughs> we don't have a whole lot of that either. You can't ride in the mud, but yeah. people in different places do. So, I mean, I, I, I like riding a 2.3 or a 2.4 on that bike, personally. I don't like putting on a 2.5 yeah. or 2.6 yeah, tire, but it's yeah. nice to at least have the room yeah. and have the mud clearance just in case. Yeah, that is. So, that's cool. Yeah. Oh, I forgot to mention. About the uh, the pivot bearings, can you tighten all your pivot bearings without your chain ring being in the way? Yes. Yes. Because the captured nut is on that side yeah. of the chain ring. So yeah. you, you, you access that. I think we call that pivot one. Um, you access pivot one from the non-drive side non -drive of the bike. That's, so yes. That's actually same concept, I believe, Ranger and Rail 29. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Similar concept. So if you worked on your Ranger, you would know <laughs> that you can do it from not getting through your chain ring. Yeah, well, I well, worked on the old one, or uh, it's some bikes. I don't know. Well, the new one's better, so that's all. That's all we got. Occasionally, right now. I do my own bolt it's check. So, when it's so good, you don't even have to check it. That's right. Yeah, you should never have to touch it. And that's actually something else that's pretty fun about this bike is it's fully uh, frames are fully assembled at our own facility by our own employees in Taiwan. So Liam, you've seen our Taiwan facility last time we were at the Taipei Bike yeah. Show. Um, but we've really built that out a whole lot more and it's, it's kind of little stuff that really most people shouldn't care about or don't care about, but the way we make these bikes and the way we do quality control checking and assemble the bearings and make sure there's just the right amount of Loctite and grease and all, all that on, on everything is something that I'm actually, our, our, our crew has done an incredible job kind of building up this facility and infrastructure to assemble these bikes. And that ideally leads to really great bikes that people really like to ride and don't have problems with. So. Yeah. Well, a lot of people yeah. don't realize like a lot of the bikes that get assembled overseas get assembled in like a third party assembly facility, totally. which are just going off instructions, which often lead to over lock tightening of certain bolts or not greasing a headset when they put it in and so on. So totally. And it's all those little details um, yeah. that in the last few years, we've just put a ton of effort into, into trying to just optimize all those little things. And I think it adds up to make a, you know, a really great bike. Yeah. Yep, super excited about that. And two new colors, a couple new build kit options, but I like the new colors we got for this bike. Pinot Noir and Pony Boy. Correct. You can guess those colors. Pinot Noir. Pinot Noir. That's what I said. Not, I know you not did noir. You did say it right, but I'm just clarifying for the listeners Pinot that you didn't noir. say that incorrectly. <laughs> yeah. Because they're Pinot probably noir. like, did he just mean Pinot Noir? And he said Pinot, Pinot Noir. Pinot <laughs> Pinot Noir, Pony Boy. Yep. A deep purple. And a nice shiny yellow, gold, 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 gold yellow. shimmery yellow with yeah. turquoise bluish decals. It's a pretty fun color. And the wow. the Pinot Noir has like a off white logo, yeah, like a cloud, cloud. cloudy logo. Yeah. I think is the name mm. we call it. But yeah, it looks really good. Yeah, it's kind of we we always try to do like a stealthy colored bike and then a loud, a loud. colorful poppy yeah. bike. So that's what the two colors are. The Pinot Noir is quite stealthy, and then depending on the light, it's kind of yeah, it's kind of it's kind of more glimmery and like I don't know, just vibrant in direct sunlight. Yeah, which is cool. But if it's not in direct sunlight, it just looks really dark, like yep. almost yeah. black. Yeah, yeah. We have a lot of fun with paint 
seems like it's it's like a small detail, but I think cool colors is always kind of fun. Yeah, I agree. It just for whatever reason, it seems like paint on everything has totally changed in the last ten years. Like in I'd, this, I'd say like four years. Yeah, but even cars, like cars, yeah, cars, bikes, everything. Yeah. Like yeah. there's just all these colors that I didn't really even know existed. Yeah, my whole life there was just not that many like, colors. The and whole all of a sudden, like there's like all these unique colors. Kind of grayscale has just like gone from like you know charcoal or silver. And there's that huge like scale between yeah, now. Like, like I mean, your your car is kind of on that yeah. scale. Limestone color. Limestone. Lime. Yeah, yeah, that's what they nice. call it. Yeah. There's yeah, been a cool. ton of improvements in the bike world with paint. There's been a lot of innovation, and I don't know all the scientific chemicals and molecules and how they did it. But you know, several years ago, a lot of bikes when you'd scratch your paint, you'd get like a big chip. Like it was mm-hmm. pretty common to have mm-hmm. paints, you know, really chip off the bike and take oh, a big yeah. chunk I think out. Everybody and you could knows carbon. what that's like. Yeah. yeah, and that's actually like in the last few years, like gotten really a whole lot better from yeah. from a lot of the you know high quality factories with with good paint quality control and the temperatures that the paint gets baked on at and the outside air temperature and how it cools. Like it's there's a real science to all of that, but at, at least overall it's gotten a whole lot better, mm-hmm. which I think is pretty sweet. Yeah. Yeah. That is cool. Nice. nice. And a couple other quick mentions of some new happenings over at Revel before we jump into your listener questions, a yeah. new tie hardtail. Yeah. We actually have like a kind of a lot of product launches here in the next few weeks, which is pretty exciting. So coming into the season, man, you got to do it now. It's bike season. <laughs> time for, time for new bikes. Finally. Yeah. Um, yeah, we have a new titanium hardtail. So we make titanium bikes because a lot of us just, I, I love titanium bikes. The first bike I ever worked on when I was hired at a bike shop when I was 14 years old was a custom titanium seven. And ever since yeah. then, I've just mm. always thought titanium's like this awesome material. So, um, we have a shreddy all mountain titanium hardtail coming out. It's called the tirade. It's actually really very similar to the rascal in terms of geometry and intended use. Um, but it's a titanium hardtail, not a carbon full suspension yeah. bike. So people love hardtails, man. This one's fun. Yeah. There's something about it. It's like a really simple bike. Like you don't have a rear shocker. It's just very simple. Yeah, I agree with But that. you can do so much with it. And and I I think titanium for a hardtail, like I think there's no better material. Like maybe if you're, you know, racing World Cup cross country or something like that. But, you know, it's a little they heavier than tails, they so. don't even use hardtails anymore. <laughs> so if you want a hardtail, titanium. Yeah. I agree with go. that. I think tie is an awesome material for a rigid bike. Yeah. It's comfortable. lasts forever. I can't wait to put it to the test because my new bike, which I haven't built or even started the process of, El Jefe. Yes. With a rigid fork. Yes. I'm excited for that. A rigid fork El Jefe. Mm Mm-hmm. That's going to be cool. That's what I was thinking. So like a mountain bike, gravel bike? I'm going to build it super light, so it'll be gravel bike-esque, but obviously still just a rigid mountain bike. But this one I can just call a rigid mountain bike because it's like nothing to do with It is a mountain bike, actually. It's It's a mountain bike. It's just an actual mountain bike. But you can use it for for gravel sort of events. Adventure things. Just do anything with it. It's one bike I can do anything with. That's fast. It's got tons of mountains, so you could join Jared on his eventual (laughs) bikepacking trip. (laughs) I heard Jared loves to go bikepacking. He has a lot of gear for it. Well, that's step one. Long time listener, first time caller. <laughs> Actually never called. <laughs> it's, it's gotten to the point where it used to be like kind of funny. And we're like, hey, you never really going on those bike packing trips you were telling us about. And then it's like gone longer and longer to where he's like a little bitter about it now. So, <laughs> so you know, he's just never going to go. I mean, <laughs> and now, we're, now, we're, now we're, we're throwing him on, like, oh. under the bus and he's not here to defend himself. So yeah, like, that's what we'll, get, we'll move on. That's what you get. <laughs> <laughs> Yep. New tie bike. Super excited about it. It's, it's going to be a fun one. Yeah. Can't wait for you to try it out. 
least yeah. but not last, little little small update to the Rail 2.9 yeah. coming into the season. Some, what is it, fresh colors and fresh build kits? Yeah, we have new like colors, that. new 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 specs. It's actually, I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. So the Rail 2.9, when we launched it, we launched it with a 160 millimeter fork, 155 rear, 160 front. And then I was looking around our, our um, at, at our Revel office and pretty much everybody who had a Rail 2.9 had put a 170 fork on it, including myself. I, I prefer <laughs> the bike with the 170 fork. And after seeing all of us that work at Revel do that, I figured, well, we should probably just make that the stock spec and put a 170 fork on it because we just... It, I just think it rides a whole lot better. It slacks mm-hmm. the bike out a little bit. Um, it makes it feel a little bit more aggressive, like you can charge a little bit harder. Uh, and, and, and that bike climbs like an absolute beast. It's a super efficient climbing bike. So yeah. um, it's really just, you know, after a year of having that bike out there, we realized 170 forks were, were the way to go on that bike. So the new bike, we have a couple new colors and longer fork, a couple different build kit options and things like that. So um, sweet. it's pretty sweet. Yeah. Did you put a 170 on yours? No, Get not yet. Get on yours. Wow. Yeah, well, because I kind of use it as a long-legged trail bike. Yeah, you so pedal that thing a lot. I yeah. pedaled a lot. I run a Lyric, um, and Lyric only goes up to 160. Um, and that's kind of how I've been riding it, and I like it. However, I do have plans for summer to throw on a, like, 170 Zeb or 38 yeah. with some downhill casings, and that'll be bike park season. It's last year a different fork. The Zeb compared to the Lyric is a lot beefier. Yeah, and, and I personally think a, a Lyric at 150 or 160 is good, and then a Zeb at 170 or 180. Some people drop a Zeb down to 160, and I just think it might be a little too much for that travel range. I agree. So, I agree. Yeah. And last year I did full downhill bike, so I didn't really need to dual action this bike. But Did you sell that downhill bike? I did, yeah. That thing looks so sweet. I know. I was really bummed on it. But yeah, bikes are fun. <clears throat> When yeah. you ride it five times in a year and yep. you, you have to build a new van, you know? <laughs> yeah. Downhill bikes. and First one to go. This can sometimes <laughs> yeah. be like that. Yeah. First one to go, you know? <laughs> Gotta yeah. make sacrifices. Gotta simplify. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Some rapid fire questions, which came from your guys' audience on your Instagram. What is the thought process on geometry and what goes into picking different geo for different travel bikes? This is this one I could probably talk for like hours and hours and hours. Yeah, we kind of so, so, yeah, we, we got close <laughs> yeah. to this already. So yeah, I think I think like the quick the, the quick answer to that is um, in my mind ge- geometry is, has two things. One is like your body position on the bike. Like, is your body comfortable and do you feel like you're in a, a good powerful position? And then the second part is how the bike actually handles. Can you go around a corner while you feel comfortable? So kind of combining those two things and making sure your body's comfortable on the bike, but the bike can also handle well and go over rocks and corners and stuff well. And then when you add suspension into that, you have kind of this whole third thing that you have to take into account. So when the back wheel's moving up and down, you know, 115 to 200 millimeters that affects your geometry like very significantly um how your axle you know how the axle path moves does the rear wheel move a little bit forward does it move backwards first that's going to affect how you hop up and over terrain like bumpy rocks on a on a climb and so i think kind of putting you know body positioning bike handling and suspension kinematics together is kind of the the art that we're all trying to optimize yeah again i think it comes down to a whole package Totally. Yeah. 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 You, you can have a, per- a bike with a perfectly perfect head angle and trail, but if the, if the, you know, rear center, or the bottom bracket drop isn't right, then it throws the whole thing yeah. off. So making sure you really combine all of those along with your suspension characteristics, 
uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of inputs to make a bike ride well. So I always say people should just ride every bike they can before they decide to buy one. If you ride it, yeah, you'll, you'll yeah, know. that is super helpful. We say that too. I've always been an advocate of just trying <laughs> just bikes, try, before. try them all out. Yeah, because you could you could sit there and send off a hundred emails and phone calls of how does this bike ride or how does this happen and read all these different things. It's like you just need to go ride some different just bikes. Go try it out and yeah, go to bike demos, go to bike events, yeah. go to bike shops. Just ride yeah. different bikes, figure out what you like, and what feels good for you. Go to Sedona Bike Fest. That is yeah. the first week of March, second week of March. We will have all of our new bikes: the Rascal, New Rail Two Nine, all that good stuff there, or all the outer bike events, Sea Otter, everything. Sweet, yeah, good spots to go ride bikes. Good call. Yeah. Any plans for a mullet bike in the future? <laughs> or MX wheel. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Mixed wheel? The industry's uh, kind of going MX to wheel. mixed wheel. Yeah, I like the word mullet, but yeah. you know. <laughs> way more fun. Um, that's a fun question. So a long time ago when I worked in a bike shop, I forget. It was somebody from like a really big brand. I don't know if it was Santa Cruz or Specialized or track out but they they came to our bike shop and this is like a product manager at a big company and they said oh you know what yeah we're never going to make 29 inch bikes because those wheels are too big and that's just a fad and then a year later i forget what company it was but a year later they had yeah. you know of course the brand had, yeah. had those bikes so i will admit that a few years ago i had strong feelings against mullet bikes but i tried to keep that in mind and stay open-minded and um I actually think there's a great use case for mullet bikes. I think there's a lot of places where it makes a lot of sense. Um, but I think the bike needs to be designed for it. I think taking an existing bike and putting a longer fork yeah. on or taking a 29er yeah. bike and putting a smaller wheel on, it just, you're, you're sacrificing a lot of things. Bikes were designed a certain way for a reason. So um, I think mullet bikes are actually pretty, pretty darn cool. Yeah, I agree. I think it needs to be designed for that. <laughs> How about that answer? Yeah. <laughs> was that, was that a, bikes are pretty darn cool, but it doesn't answer yes or no. Was that, yeah. a, was that a vague enough <laughs> answer perfect, for you? Dude. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You'd run for Congress next. Yep. Yep. I'm a politician now. Mm -hmm. All right. On to the next. <laughs> <laughs> perfect. I dodged it. Uh, will the rodeo be released? Oh, man. Meaning, will it be available to be purchased, I'm assuming, is what they mean. So, the rodeo downhill bike, which you don't have to go into a ton of detail because if anyone's curious, they can look back at episode 108 of this podcast, which is the last time you were on, and you talked all about that bike because when you guys announced the bike... Um, yeah, give a quick overview and then answer the will yeah. it ever be released. The rodeo super fun bike. It was the first ever 3D printed carbon made in America mountain bike. So we worked with this really cool factory with some crazy technology to make this um composite thermoplastic full suspension mountain bike. Super fun project. We learned a crazy amount. It was kind of the first of first of its kind in in, in many different ways. Um this might be another slightly po politician answer here. So, uh, myself and everybody else at Revel would love to have a downhill bike in the lineup. So it is definitely no question that a CBF carbon downhill bike is something we all want and will have at some point. Don't know when. It's something we're working on. In It'll the future. Happen. Eventually. Hopefully. Maybe. Anything and everything could happen in the future. Yeah. <laughs> The bike's pretty sick, though. Someday. Yeah, it does look rad. I mean, if, yeah, if, if you just want to Google that, you can. And our our uh, podcast article, which you were on, has a bunch of photos of it and stuff, too. So if anyone's curious about that, go listen to episode 108, also linked in the show notes. What's the story behind the names of your bikes? Huh. Na names, are, names are funny. I'd be curious to hear what you guys do. It's always... 
surprisingly difficult to come up with names. And so I keep Definitely. like, we keep a few like ongoing lists when someone thinks of a good, you know, word or name, we, we write it down. We do actually some really fun naming competitions at Revel. So especially for colors, we try to have some fun with the color names. So we put like, you know, a, a big sheet out there and for a week, everybody in the company writes down ideas and then people vote on them and whoever wins gets, you know, like a gift card for pizza or six pack of beer or something like that. So we kind of crowdsource from the company to come up with, with names, which that's always the most fun. Yeah. And then get some good, good opinions in the, in the building as well. So, so far all your carbon bikes start with R's and you might run out of R words. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's a bit of topic of conversation in our very serious product meetings is what are we going to do when we run out of R words? <laughs> I don't know if anybody has any ideas for names, let me know. But I, I like, you know, the, the R word thing actually kind of started just on accident. The first, the first bike I was riding with a buddy, it was the, the rail was the first prototype we had. And at the time the bike didn't have a name and he was right in front of me and we traded bikes. He got on this, the first prototype ever. And we were we, 10 feet into the ride. We went around this big corner and he goes, dude, this bike rails. <laughs> and I was like, dude, we should probably name it the rail then, huh? He's like, yeah. And we named it the rail. So yeah, that's, that's where that one came funny. from. wasn't very scientific. Yeah. What, what, what do you guys do? How do you come up with names for? Uh, it's a, just a mishmash of or like the same thing. Keep, kettle, keeping yeah. a list of all that stuff. But uh, the most recent one, we uh, we just did a YouTube community poll. We just like posted a poll on, on YouTube and said, what should we name the next pair of kettle mountain bike shorts? And, uh, and, and then we said, whoever comes up with a good name, we'll give you a free pair. And some guy just said Skidmark shorts. And we're like, oh, <laughs> genius. It's a great name. Great name. So, <laughs> absolutely genius. Yeah. Quick Google check. Like, yeah, no, checks out. Let's do it. Yep. And then I think we replied to his comment months and months later, like, hey, <laughs> we picked your name. We'll give you a pair of shorts. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if he ever replied. I'm not sure if we ever got his pair of shorts, but if you're, if you're the guy who commented that and wants those shorts and we didn't already send them, please let me know. But crowdsource incredible via, via the internet yep yeah good good way to do it. pretty good i thought this next question was pretty cool which is when will there be udh on all bikes that is a really cool question um like not obviously not just your oh, bed i kind of like, read that as all revel bikes but yeah no, all bikes i'm more curious to hear your answer like all bikes in general like every bike that should have a derailleur when will they all have udh like do you predict totally. every brand in the entire industry that may like any in, in the bicycle industry at all is going to go one that brand way that i mean hold out <laughs> I I mean I'm a I'm a SRAM fan. We we work with SRAM a lot. I know you guys like SRAM too. Yeah. They're phenomenal. I think the UDH is like the single greatest simple invention of the bike world. It's so yeah. simple. It's a tiny little well, if you ever worked at a bike shop ten years ago yeah. and you had to look yeah. at a wheels manufacturing exactly. catalog to match this up and then it didn't match perfectly, so you put a you file. Can, you to get it, it, you get a, a yeah. piece of sandpaper and yeah. a file and you yeah. can make anything yeah. work as a drillier hanger. Yeah. It's not good to take a file out for people's twelve thousand dollar bikes. <laughs> we would always like run behind the shop when we had to use I the files. It. People wouldn't see it. But <laughs> it's one of my favorite no. things. But yeah, it's kind of fun. No, I, th I think UDHs will be on all bikes, and and I would assume for most bike companies that are making products on a regular basis, that should be quite quite soon. There's really no reason not to have it, and there's every reason to have it on a bike. So it just makes sense. Yep. I bet we'll see that all in the next year. You think every brand will do it eventually? I think so. Do you think it was uh, on a similar note, but in terms of just standards? What about what about Super Boost, also known as Stupid Boost? <laughs> <laughs> it was a thing, and then some brands did it, and then other brands were like, "Ah, we're not doing that." Yeah. And then there's like now these two or three awkward brands that are like, "Well, we did it, right?" And we're still doing it. Yeah. We don't know why. That's how we're all in good company. That's good to hear. 
Yeah, st- I, I'm not. I'm not a fan. It, you think that's just going to disappear? I'm not a fan. So the the different chain lines that SRAM did really kind of make it. So so I can't see any practical reason that some people will say that because you have a wider, uh, you know, wider bracing angle, you can get a stiffer wheel or you can get a stiffer frame. But like you, you really don't need to. It's pretty yeah. easy to get the, the right amount of stiffness out of a frame or wheel with standard 148 boost spacing. But that 55 chain line tram crank instead of a 52 chain line tram crank gives you the tire clearance, tire and chainring clearance. Because the hardest part on a bike to design from just a shape standpoint is that area between the chainring and the tire. And so now that SRAM has the 55 chain line cranks and that works well with T-type and all that stuff, it like, we just got three millimeters of free space and life's good. So no reason, in my mind, no reason to do super boost on a bike anymore. Yeah. And And I think it's just nice. Three mil basically makes up the whole one sided that super boost does. Yes, exactly. Yeah. It works. So it works super good. Wow. So, yep. Hmm. Standard boost all day. Oof, I'm just thinking about the going price for super boost wheels and frames 10 years from now. Ah. <laughs> Five years from now. Are you going to make an investment in super boost <laughs> yeah. frames? I'm going to invest in the super boost. I actually boost. have an Onyx super boost hub that we were going to use for a bike you got with super boost and we never built it. So I should probably sell that hub. Oh, yeah. yeah. Before it becomes yeah. obsolete. Do it now. Mm-hmm. Should. Sweet yeah. hub, Onyx hub. Yeah, yeah those cool. are sweet ups. Yeah. I would like to build. Oh, maybe I'll put those on the hard. Too heavy. Dude, they are too heavy. They're That's heavy. why I didn't. Yeah, like but those. they're it was, so quiet and it was cool. Gonna, it was gonna yeah. go on the downhill bike you were gonna build, which would be sick. Yes. Quiet hub downhill mm-hmm. bike. Just pop, pop, that would in be the nice. bike park. Yeah. yeah, that's what I thought. So, yeah, I wish they didn't didn't happen. I wish they were lighter. I know. Hmm. Oh well, we oh, can well. dream more innovation. Someday. Well, anyways, we have run into the limit of time here. So, Adam, thank you for joining us for another episode. Much appreciated. And for everyone listening, uh, if you have any other further questions, feel free to send them to podcast at worldwidecyclery.com. And people can find Adam, uh, Revel Bikes Instagram, your own Instagram. What's your Instagram? Yeah. Adam.Miller907. I think that's it. (laughs) So, yeah, that's is it. That Alaska area. Code? Yeah, that's the Alaska area code. I, do. Oh, I grew up in yeah. Alaska, and I, I'm just holding it with me. Yeah, Alaska oh, yeah. Roots. love that yeah. place. We got to go ride bikes cool. there someday. I would love to. Dude, that'd be one of these days. sick. Let's yeah. do it. That would be a place. That'd be to actually go. really epic. Yeah, right. bike pack or just like ride bikes. Well, Jared's gonna want a bike pack, so <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. we'll do it all. We'll do it all. Classic. Yeah. Well, if you've made it this far, thank you very much. We genuinely appreciate it. Uh, if you want to help us out, if you hit Spotify or Apple Podcasts and drop a review, it's very welcome. And if you screenshot the review, email it to us. Jared will give you a surprise. Can't tell you what it is because I can't remember off the top of my head right now. But it's a gift card of some sorts of some value that will be useful. Uh, yeah, that's it. That's all. Thank you for listening. Talk to you guys next time. Love you. Cheerio. Cheerio.